What's up, everybody? You're listening to Checking for Jesus, where I try to decode biblical principles from the random happenings in my life. I'm your host, Crystal Meanwhile, and every Wednesday, I'll tell you a story about something that made me say, Jesus, is that you? I promise you're going to laugh and learn at the same time. If we all get better at recognizing Jesus in the details of our lives, we become more sensitive to his presence and ultimately more inclined to do what he says. So, Crystal, meanwhile, what are we talking about today? What's up, everybody? Today, we're talking about being needed. I teach at a public high school and I teach my trade. I'm a graphic designer by trade. While I'm in the first classroom in our hallway, the next three doors that follow on my side of the hallway are all studio art classes, like the foundational stuff that makes art art, all the hands-on art making. As a graphic designer, I spend quite a bit of time on a computer, but every so often, and certainly when I visit my colleagues' classes, I get all warm and fuzzy about the real art, like sculpture, paintings, and all the drawings that are always around the room. It often reminds me of my first two years of art school. We had to carry portfolios because our drawing canvases were usually 18 by 24. My drawing classes were six hours long my freshman year and eight hours long my sophomore year. And I know a lot of y'all can't possibly fathom spending an entire workday drawing, but believe me, it flies by. (laughs) You also probably wouldn't believe me if I told you there are different kinds of erasers that you use when you're drawing. Many of you are familiar with the pink rubber eraser because we use it at the end of our pencils. But there's also a white eraser that's actually really good for lifting ink off of paper. And then there's another eraser, which is my favorite, and it's called the kneaded eraser. So the kneaded eraser is like really small, comes in a little wrapper It's about one and a half inches square. It's probably the thickness of a pancake. What happens is you got to unwrap it and you have to literally knead the eraser in order to get it to do what it's designed to do, which is not just lift pencil or graphite from the paper, but the magic is in the fact that you can control how much it lifts from the paper. You could decide whether or not it picks up all the pencil or just a little bit or a tiny bit so you can have the effect that you want. Why does this even matter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it matters in drawing because the kneaded eraser allows you to soften a hard edge, like when you have to draw the fur on a dog, and it allows you to create a soft highlight, like where the light reflects off of an object and it creates that little area of white light that's really, really soft. And once you pick up the graphite, you can knead the eraser a little more to clean it. It's like a self-cleaning, really cool eraser. What is kneading, really? You've heard about kneading dough, right? If you've ever made bread before. Kneading an eraser is a very similar process. It involves stretching the eraser and then folding it back over, stretching it again, folding it back over. And this whole stretch and fold motion warms the temperature of the eraser itself. And then it becomes more pliable and easier to manipulate. This allows you to stretch it out or you could roll it up really tight and you could pick up little dots of graphite. I know y'all are artists. Just bear with me. Crystal, like what are we talking about? How does that help me as a believer? Starting something new always requires a stretch. It's almost like God gets us all riled up and inspired and excited about doing a new thing, especially when you know he's calling you to do it. 
You tell a few good friends and they rally you on and everybody feels good about your new venture. But something new is often unexplored territory. It is inevitable that you will spend a fair amount of time learning along the way navigating new terrain just to decide whether or not it's really inhabitable at all, to find out if you have a niche somewhere, to find out if you have what it takes to really be there. Learning and doing and constantly assessing for improvement can be exhausting. This is the stretch of God. We're like a needed eraser. Out of the wrapper, we're really cool. We're a little hard to manipulate. But once we step out on faith and rest ourselves in God's hands, he begins the kneading process, right? Like he's pushing us far enough to stretch us, but not hard enough to tear us. He brings us back into the fold and he does it over and over and over again. So in order to connect this kneading process to being a better believer, we got to go to the Bible. (laughs) All right. Everybody talks about the blessings of Abraham. We sing about them. The blessings of Abraham, right? Like we get into it. Before God told Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2, that he would make him a father of many nations and bless him and make his name great and all of that great stuff. In verse 1, he told him to leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to a land I will show you. What? Did y'all catch that? God, you want me to leave what I've known for 75 years and start walking to a place you'll show me along the way? Like, <laughs> like you're not even telling me where we're going. You just like, leave your country and just go, and then you'll show me where it is? In the same way, I promise you. God called me to retire from what I've been doing for 20 years as a trade. God has called me from designing to now launch a podcast. And five episodes in, I feel like God is already starting to need me, not N-E-E-D-K-N-E-A-D, stretch and fold me. The truth is that as believers, we know our steps are ordered by the Lord, like we can get with that. We know he's a lamp unto our feet. He doesn't just know the way, he is the way. Like, did y'all hear the difference? He's the way, the truth, and the life. Let's put a pen right there. The hardest part about stepping out on this kind of faith isn't taking a first step. That's the easy part because you're you're all riled up. You're all excited. The hard part is keeping your feet moving after you take the first step. Some people have a hard time stepping out there, but others have a hard time keeping one foot moving in front of the other from one level to the next. Peter comes to mind. You all know this story. Jesus sends the disciples ahead on a boat. He goes to a mountainside to pray and then he comes to meet them on the water, but he's walking on the water. So here we go. Matthew 14, verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. And said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? A lot of people read this and assume that Peter started to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus while he was walking toward him. But I can't find it in the Bible that he was even looking at Jesus when he was walking on the water. I agree wholeheartedly that taking your eyes off of Jesus will cause you to stumble. But if you read it closely, you'll see Peter had already made it to Jesus. How you figure that? I think Peter already had enough faith to get from the boat to Jesus. Otherwise, he wouldn't ask Jesus to bid him to come at all. Think about it. 
Peter's faith had just been stretched watching Jesus feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. His faith was on a thousand. He had already seen Jesus do a miracle, right? He was already on that miracle high. So this, seeing Jesus on the water, saying, okay, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come. He was already convinced that when Jesus said come, he was going to get out the boat and go to him. Jesus telling Peter to come was a folding back of the faith that he had just stretched out when he fed the multitude. It was simply an act of obedience at this point. Peter's faith was already on a thousand. Stick with me. Have you ever been out on the water at night? Jesus came to them in the fourth watch of night. Like, do you know what time that is? It is the darkest part of night. It is the last leg before sunrise between 3 and 6 a.m. When it's that late on the water, it's only you, the water, the stars, and the sky. Like, it's dark. You ever wonder where Peter looked to see that the wind was strong? Like, what did he look at? Anybody ever remember the poem by Christina Rossetti? It was called Who Has Seen the Wind? It's a really short poem. I'm going to read it to you. Who has seen the wind? Neither I nor you. But when the leaves hang trembling, the wind is passing through. Who has seen the wind? Neither you nor I. But when the trees bow down their heads, the wind is passing by. Was Peter looking at the waves in order to see that the wind was boisterous? Was he looking at trees in the distance? Whatever Peter looked at to see the wind after he had gotten close to Jesus shook his faith something serious. When Peter started to sink, Jesus was able to hold out his hand and catch him. You know how close you got to be to somebody in order for them to reach out and stop you from sinking? You got to be with them arms reach. You're like close enough to hug that person. So Peter is right there, like right there with Jesus. He ain't far from him. He's not just stepping out of the boat. And like starting to sink. No, he he was able to get to Jesus. He was that close. How do we forget about Jesus when we're standing right next to him? Like we go hard for Jesus in the beginning. And somewhere along the way, we start switching up. Maybe it's after we get a promotion we were praying for. Maybe I get distracted by more IG followers instead of writing out the content that gets more G-O-D followers, right? Somebody's feeling convicted over here. There's a really stark difference between God calling Abraham to leave his country and go and Jesus calling Peter to walk to him from the boat. Abraham and Peter were both called to make a move. Abraham was told to go. He didn't have the benefit of Jesus standing right in front of him. So you might describe his obedience as blind faith, or you might characterize his obedience as one of blind faith. Peter, on the other hand, was told to come following a direct order from Jesus who was standing in the flesh in front of him on water, Abraham walked across lands and territories until he received his next instruction from God. Peter saw his destination right in front of him until he got there. Wherever Abraham heard God give instruction, he built an altar to God to mark the nations he'd been promised to father. And then he kept going. Peter got close enough to Jesus to high five him and lost sight of where they both were going. He forgot they were on their way to the other side, to a new land to continue their work. How is it that he had more faith in Jesus when he was farther from him than when he was standing right next to him? Aren't we like this as believers sometimes? Like faith will enable you to walk on water, but fear will sink you. All kinds of fear, fear of how others might react, fear of failure, fear of success, oftentimes fear of not knowing what's next. 
If faith is blind, so is fear. If Abraham operated in blind faith, then I'm going to ask you to consider the idea that Peter operated in blind fear. Peter can never handle what happens next. Think about it. After this, he can't accept Jesus prophesying his death. Jesus said, go into Lord mode and call out Satan speaking through Peter. He was like, I rebuke you, Satan. Get behind me. He was talking to Peter when he said that. Peter can't accept the soldiers coming to take Jesus. So he cuts off the soldier's ear. Peter can't fathom denying Jesus after his trial. So he promises Jesus he never turn on him. Peter can't handle the criticism of others. So he denies ever knowing Jesus three times. Peter was a man of great faith. He just couldn't see the forest for the trees. Jesus in this example in Matthew establishes early on this character flaw about Peter. To me, this is why Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. Why did you doubt? Jesus doesn't describe his faith as being little because he didn't believe here. Jesus had already said in chapter 10, you need only faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain. His faith in this verse is little in proportion to the amount of doubt that he had. Peter's faith in this verse is little in proportion to the amount of doubt that he had. You can't believe and doubt at the same time. Jesus spent the rest of Peter's life before and after the crucifixion and resurrection kneading out Peter's character flaw, stretching Peter out almost to the point of tearing to bring him back into the fold more pliable, stretching Peter out when he rebukes him, bringing him back into the fold at the Last Supper, stretching Peter out until he cuts the soldier's ear and bringing him back into the fold more pliable when he heals the soldier in front of Peter. In the same way, I had to knead the eraser in order to manipulate it to draw a pretty picture. Jesus keeps kneading Peter until Peter was flexible enough to be used by God, however God saw fit to use him. Five episodes into this journey has been a stretch and a fold for me. Jesus has stretched me to almost tearing and brought me back into the fold right after. I started with Abraham's blind faith and I found myself staring at Peter's blind fear. I took a look at the wind. The truth is the wind is always over the water. Jesus ain't really mad about us seeing a wind. He gets a little disappointed if we see the wind and doubt. What Peter saw with his eyes, a strong wind, could have been a wind gust for all we know. Do you know how long a wind gust lasts by definition? You know I'm a nerd. I'm about to tell you. Wind gusts last only 20 seconds. If mustard seed faith moves mountains then this verse shows us how powerful an ounce of doubt can be. Do you know how long it takes to start sinking? Let gravity tell it don't take long at all. Doubt can drown faith in an instance. 20 seconds of doubt can cause you to begin sinking. Jesus ain't going to stretch out his hand until you call out to him. And Jesus doesn't waste any time and said he immediately reached out his hand to keep you from drowning in doubt. Don't lose sight of the goal. The point of them being in a boat and on the water at the time was to get to the land to continue the work. It's very easy to get in your own way to think you know enough when you feel like you've arrived or not even arrived because that can carry a different connotation in our community. But when you feel like you've gotten something right or you did the thing Jesus told you to do, you can ride that wave and you can get lost in it if you're not careful. I do that. I know I'm not the only one, but I'm I'm confessing it today. <laughs> this is a message for me. I know how to get in my own way. I know there are MOs God has to need out of my character. 
as imperfect as we all are, certainly as imperfect as I am. By the time I got to the end of this episode, I was very humbled and grateful for God's process of needing. It just lets me know that I'm becoming more pliable, more flexible, a better vessel for him to use to expand the kingdom. After all, he is the potter, and I'm glad to be the clay. Y'all checking for Jesus today or nah? I hope you all laughed and learned something today from this episode of Checking for Jesus. I want to hear about the random happenings in your life that's got you wondering, Jesus, is that you? Get in my DM on the gram at Checking for Jesus or visit CheckingForJesus.com. If you like this episode, show some love in the ratings, tap the subscribe button, and put some wings on my hashtag, Checking for Jesus. Thank you for pushing play, and until next time, keep check, check, check. checking for Jesus.